What up, brother, man? What's up, John? How are you? you? I'm good, man. How you doing? How's the voice? It's good. You know, I didn't actually lose it. (laughs) I thought I would, but I didn't. Just that night, it was kind of gone right after. But the next morning, voice was there, but body did not feel like making it through the day. (laughs) Well, I had a... I had both going on for me. I had, you know, both the voice was gone and the, and the body didn't feel like doing anything yesterday. And it's tough because you go into work after game two of the NBA finals, which we both attended and people are asking, how was the game? Oh my God. What was it like? I was like, (laughs) I sounded so bad, man. I felt so bad, you know, but that's what happens when you're in that environment, in that atmosphere, it was just absolute uh, pandemonium. Uh, I just actually got finished watching the uh, replay of the game, and I remember the one thing that pissed me off was that, like, the last minute, the Bucks just kept fouling the Suns. And leading up to that, I remember you and I were sitting next to each other, and we were talking about it. We're like, dude, the Suns only have six free throws with, like, two minutes left in the game. And then yeah. all of a sudden, the Bucks just kept doing the, you know, hack a McHale, which is, like, the dumbest strategy you can have is hack a anybody, really, on the Phoenix Suns. And it, it increased it, – it increased our overall free throw numbers, but it decreased the energy in the building. Do you recall this, or were you too drunk at the time? Oh, man. Well, I remember telling you, too. I think it might be just from being in the last row up there, but it didn't seem as loud as it was on TV. You know what I mean? Like, I think you're just kind of away up in the stands, so maybe the sound doesn't absorb in the same way. Because when I was watching on TV, like you said, the replay, it just seemed so much louder. But I did not notice that. And fouls, is, fouls are one thing where I'm not – even this whole season, I have not paid attention to. It hasn't been a, a big deal to me. Uh, whether or not the Suns go to the free throw line or not, it doesn't really affect the outcome. I don't think it has all year long. If, the, if these teams get more free throw attempts than the Suns, it doesn't affect whether or not the Suns lose or win the game. I mean, if the Suns can't figure something out – and if they now in the playoffs, you can kind of see it, even like with Devin Booker trying to get to the line, that's something. Like they can actually figure out a different way to beat you, and that would be getting to the free throw line. But it just, I don't think it affects them as much as like a lot of people keep talking about. I really don't think it's a big deal. I think Monty Williams will talk about it once in a while in a press conference. Like, yeah, like the refs are kind of shitty today, something like that along those lines. But it's not like, I don't think it's life or death. To me, it's just, is that weird or what? I just do not care. No, no I just think I, I bring it up because it, it was a momentum killer kind of at the back end of the game where it was like the last minute, the, the crowd was ready to explode, and it was like, and a foul by Connington, and a foul by Connington. And that's the only reason I bring it up. Uh, but you're right, though. Being at the last throw of the stadium, I don't think it was nearly as loud because there was no one screaming behind us. So it was just us just projecting forwards. But I bet you if you were down on the court, yeah, it was just the pipes. We were just like, you know, rattling the pipes up there. Um, But I will, you know, say, uh, you know, relative to the free throw topic, I do think it played a huge factor for the Suns in the first game because they made so many of their free throws. And if you look at how Milwaukee shot, you just did the math on it. Like the free throws were one of the determining factors. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be true throughout the remainder of this series, but I just, I think that, and you and you're good about that. You always you don't get nearly as emotionally invested as I do with the referees. I know that like I'm constantly like I can't wait for 6 a.m. tomorrow to see who the refs are going to be for the game because if it's Scott Foster, I'm gonna shit a brick. And I'm like, ah, there it is. But it'd I mean, be nice to defeat that, you know. Poor it'd Chris be nice Paul. to uh, another dragon to slay for Chris Paul. Yeah. 
You know, it's possible. So as, as you as you look at Game Three, you know the Suns have traveled up to Milwaukee. I'm sure they're loving the fact that they're not down here in this 110 oven that is outside. Uh, you know, what adjustments do you think the Suns have to make, knowing that you now are without Dario Saric? Torrey Craig is a game time decision with that knee contusion, which again looked didn't look horrible, but looked bad enough to where you're like, "Ow, that fucking hurts." Um, and I think that their depth has kind of been negated, especially behind DeAndre Ayton. Do you think that it is play DA 40 to 42 minutes and, you know, fill in with Frank Kaminsky? Do you think that's a, a proper strategy and a sustainable strategy, knowing that they have two days off following that before they go into game four? Or, or what are you thinking that the Suns need to do to, in an effort to be successful, knowing that the Bucks are going to be bringing it with that home crowd on Sunday afternoon? It's tough with Dario because I think a lot of his minutes were just kind of fillers. You know, he wasn't as effective. Uh, what was it? Maybe game six where he hit those couple of threes against the Clippers. And that's really all you kind of saw from him in these playoffs. And I think he's really tried and he's had his injuries. Um, but the minutes he was playing were just kind of filler minutes, honestly, right? It wasn't anything yeah. too simple. Uh, but when you got, when you had juice out there, uh, Craig was just – he was somebody that gave the Suns a lot defensively, of course, and rebounding. So it's hard to find those minutes. But what I want the Suns to do is extend DA's minutes, and he's going to be huffing and puffing. I think his jersey out there is always the sweatiest. It's just always, (laughs) you know, just swamped. But he's going to have to play those extra minutes. I think Cameron Johnson should. I don't don't know about you, but I think Cameron Johnson can handle – more than 20 minutes. He's been like at that 20 minute mark a few times, but if he can get up to 30, you think that's too much? You think he can handle it? I think he can handle it, but I don't know if Monty wants him to play that many minutes in a finals game, but I think it's what it's the best option you have over Frank Kaminsky. Uh, I mean, Frank Kaminsky is really the only other option. Jalen Smith's not going to play. So I just think that you have to extend Cam's minutes and then give DA a couple extra minutes. As Rafiki says in The Lion King, relative to Cameron Johnson, it is time. And I, and I agree with you. I think that he should obviously make up a lot of those minutes. And we're not talking about like a 30, 30 minutes we need to make up. But I think that he is going to play a bigger role. And I think that the Suns could probably take a look at what the Los Angeles Clippers did to them in game five with kind of that five out strategy on offense and then play some solid zone defense. And it might be something to deploy at different instances throughout game three to just kind of confuse Milwaukee a little bit, try to gain a little bit of an edge, a little of that chaos theory. Now I think we both know every time and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like every time the Suns play a zone defense, it just doesn't work out for them. Right. It doesn't. It just really quick. It's because they never do. So why do you expect a team to play zone defense and know what the hell to do on defense if you never play it. Sorry, I just had to get that out of there. Okay, fair. <laughs> that was me screaming for TV last game. What do you – or not last game, the game before, game one. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway. No, it's a, it's a fair point, though. You know, it's it's something we don't do a lot of, but I think that you have a couple days to practice, and maybe you focus on that for a little bit. But like, hey, we're going to throw a little zone out there just to try to throw a different look at Milwaukee. I just I, – I, how are you feeling about game three? Like, do you think this is an easy Suns win? You think it's a close game? You think it's an easy win for the Bucks? Like, how are you feeling? Um, I don't know, man. Because usually, the way the Suns series have gone, it's like you know, a lot of these teams are well. First series, Suns were up against. I think they had their back up against the wall. But 
this one, these these last three are like the other team. It's they they have to come out firing almost after game two. It's do or die for these teams. And I think game two, you got a big fight. You got everything from Giannis that I think you can get from him in this series. Uh, I guess if the guys step up around, that's fine. But I think things just change with that team, right? When Giannis is in there full time and adjusting at the finals, even that more added pressure for him to win a finals, the things are just different for that team. I don't think chemistry, I think chemistry is an issue for them when he's in there right now, the way he's playing, because he has to be so ball dominant. And people mm-hmm. are, are saying even Kevin O'Connor give him the ball more. So I do expect that. I mean, more shot attempts maybe, but he's going to get to the free throw line too. But I don't know what else you can do. and I don't know what else I can expect from this Bucks team that can push them over the edge. And like we're talking about free throws, it's like the Suns didn't have any free throw attempts, barely any, and they still won. So they keep finding ways to win. And I just think that no one really knows how to approach the Suns team because they're so versatile and their chemistry is so it's just so off the off the charts that they just get things done in different ways that you just can't game plan for. So I don't know what to expect from the Bucks side, but I do expect a close game. I just I just always have that feeling the Suns are going to win, and if they lose, I just it would have to be something where just a couple guys get hot for the Bucks, getting that crowd involved, and the Suns can just have that lack of confidence. Maybe if that even happens, but even if that happens, Monty can like you know. Have their have their tilt, tilt their chin up a little bit and get back out there, but I don't know, man. I don't. I just think it's going to be a Suns win. I I, I had the feeling it's going to be a sweep, so I'm all but po- I'm all I'm all positive right now. Well, I think that I'm. <clears throat> God, there goes the voice. I think that I'm a, a little more. I want to say in, in a world of realism, maybe just a world, little bit more worried. I really think that you look back at the first two games and see that Drew Holiday's been kind of a zero on offense. Chris Middleton had a an ugly game one that resulted in 29 points and an ugly game two. And I just think at some point those guys are going to have an effect on this series. And this is a team that believes in themselves. They were down 0-2 to Brooklyn after being slaughtered by Brooklyn by like 39 points in game two, came back to Milwaukee and tied the series. And I think that they can fall back on that experience. They can fall back on – you know, Mike Bolden, Bolden Hosel, Coach Bud, Budweiser, Coach Budweiser, throwing back a couple of ice cold brewskis and just, you know, instilling confidence in his team. And I think behind that crowd, they're going to they're going to play better. It's, you know, you hit a mid-range shot on the road and you don't hear anything. You hit a mid-range shot on at home, the place goes crazy. You start to find that rhythm. And we've seen Chris Middleton do it time and time again. He's a guy who can really get in rhythm. And if you have one of those games where Giannis does what he does, goes for 40 points, and then you get 30 to thirty to 35 from Chris Middleton, that's 75 points right there. I mean, that's that's a lot of scoring. And this is a team that might have the capacity to do it. I don't think it's sustainable. Like you said, nothing that the Bucks is doing, it overly scares me in the long term in the, in the context of an entire series because what they do isn't sustainable. But it can, they can catch fire, and I think that game three is an opportunity for that, or game four. It could be, it could be either or. I prefer it be game four, and you know we can go for a nice little gentleman sweep there, dude. But you know it might not work out that way. So you know going into game three, I think that the Suns really need to focus on trying to shut down Middleton. I think that throwing doubles at him, keep him. Mikhail did a good job on him in the last game, right? Yeah, he was great. I mean. 
that's the thing with Middleton. You just don't know what you're going to get from him, right? And he'll probably have a big game, but I still don't. I just don't think that's enough, really. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just it, it seems like if uh, Middleton's going to go off, then it takes a little bit away from Giannis, right, and what he's doing. But Giannis does trust Middleton, so you have that team, that teammate next to him that they they trust each other, and that's good to have. But I mean, if the Suns just really focus on, okay, book, you go off in the first quarter, Chris Ball come in the third quarter, do what they always do, DA fills it in, like that's a real team right there. There's too much relying on one player for the mm-hmm. buck. Like, you know, Milton, you have to go off. Someone has to knock down a three. Someone has to do this, this, and this. And they don't they, – it's hard for these teams to do that. And I think that they just don't have the star power really to go up against the Suns. But I see, like, what the Bucks are trying to do to get those guys involved. But I think, like, it's just, like, maybe too much pressure and it takes them away from their game a little bit. Uh, you know, that's the only thing I can really think of for that team. You know what guy who I feel has had like zero impact on this series and I'm kind of surprised is PJ Tucker. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, he's a guy who is brought up to Milwaukee from the Houston Rockets in an effort to increase defensive uh, versatility. And he's always, he's a zero on offense for the most part. He'll hit a three every now and then it's a corner three. It's a line drive three. It's not pretty. And he's designed to really uh, take, other members of the Phoenix Suns out of their comfort zone, switching on to Booker, switching on to Paul, you know, on some possessions, he's hanging out in the corner with Mikhail. But for the most part, you know, that's kind of his assignment is to take the Suns out of their rhythm. And I feel like he hasn't done anything this series to really do so. Obviously the Suns are averaging 108 points per game. Whereas prior to this series, they were averaging about 108 in the playoffs. So, I mean, they are at plus 10 on the points or on the scoreboard when it comes to, how they've been playing before the finals and currently in the finals. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see. And and again, with PJ Tucker, like they don't have a lot behind him. It's not like the Suns, like, okay, Mikhail's not playing good. Like you said, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder's not playing good. Okay. Cam Johnson, uh, Torrey Craig, if he's healthy, you know, I think that the Suns just have that depth that, you know, if PJ Tucker's a zero, he still has to be on the court in the final five minutes, which is going to hurt that team offensively and maybe help it defensively. But I think the Suns have done a good job of just not allowing him to uh, disrupt their rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. And he can't really, honestly, if he's going to be physical against Booker, uh, that's, that's a no, no for, um, for PJ because he honestly book can go around him. He's quicker. Um, Mikhail Bridges is very long. So who, I mean, I don't even know who PJ wants to really guard this next game, but I feel like there's always just a counterpoint to what he's trying to do. And I think that what, even if it's Chris Paul, but I mean, you even have Drew Holiday to guard Chris Paul. And the thing is, like, when one guy on the Suns gets hot, like Devin Booker, then you have to focus more on him. And then if you do that, then the next quarter you have Chris Paul who can get hot. So it keeps going back and forth between these two guys. And then you have DA in the middle. And like you said, Cameron Johnson, if he's going to get some big minutes, he can get hot. So there's just so much for them to focus on. And I think for P.J. Tucker, you know, last series it was like Kevin Durant. You know, I got to go full at him. Use my use my girth a little bit on him. Just be as physical as I can. But even KD can get a shot over him. So it's very limited to what PJ Tucker I think can do in this series. Uh, even this season, I mean, being a pickup for the Bucks was huge. But I don't think really people expected such a big impact that he proved that he could be in this playoff, in these playoffs, and in the play in, in the championship right now. It's almost like I don't know what he can do on defense that can affect the Suns to the point to where it just destroys their offense. 
Yeah, he just he's not the same PJ Tucker as he was five years ago. Heck, even three years ago when he was on that Rockets team that Chris yeah. Paul was on that had a chance to beat the Warriors, he played a big part in that series. You know, he was the guy who defended Kevin Durant. And, you know, that's who he needs to guard is those ball dominant forwards where the Suns don't have ball dominant forwards. They've got two ball dominant, fantastic guards who can dish the ball around, play high pick and roll, do things like that. And so you find PJ Tucker just kind of not finding his place in this series. I don't know if that's an adjustment that coach Bud is going to try to look at and say, Hey, I know you're typically a ball dominant forward defender, but maybe we do put you primarily on book and staying on him the entire time. Or maybe it is just try to find a lineup in which he can find effectiveness. Maybe when Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton go out, you know, either or he becomes the primary to, you know, point of attack defender. But, you know, I think between him and Drew Holiday, because, you know, Drew Holiday's the other defensive acquisition for the Milwaukee Bucks this offseason you need both of those guys to to get the job done. They just haven't. And, and you're so right. It's just, you know, again, we cover this team. We talk about them all the time. We do the pods after every game. And every now and then you just have to take a, take a step back as a Suns fan and just go, wow. Like, this team is just wow. They, they can beat you in so many different ways. It's not seven seconds or less where it was just we'll run you off the court. We can beat you with defense. We can beat you with Chris Paul. We can beat you with Booker. We can beat you with the high pick and roll. If some of those aren't working, we can beat you with the three ball, which is what we did in game two. And game two was the game that we were waiting for kind of the entire playoffs where it's like we all know the Suns can put up 23s in a game. We've seen it multiple times this season. They just haven't had to do that to this point. Game two was a game in which they had where they had to do it because the Milwaukee Bucks were playing that drop coverage, taking the Suns away from the interior. So they left the, the exterior open. The Suns knocked down the shots. The versatility of the Suns is just insane. And it's like Devin Booker said in, in one of his media things. He's like, when you win in the playoffs, it feels like you'll never lose again. And when you lose in the playoffs, it feels like you never win again. And, you know, I think the thing that I want to just kind of temper my expectations with and remind myself is the quote that Monty Williams says is like, don't get happy on the farm. Like it feels like we we will never lose again, especially against Milwaukee. We were clearly the better team in our opinion right now, but still like there's still two games to go and it's not Milwaukee is not going to be like, you know what? You're right. You're clearly better than us. We're done here. (laughs) I know. And I don't think the sun's getting enough credit of just being a really, really good effing team and you're talking about the threes, they do make the threes. In the beginning of the game, they needed it. And that is just the Suns this year to where they're making, like, the big shots, the big plays to get them over to hump to win these games. And it's, it's, it used to be opposite, where the Suns were always just more, more shit was shoveled on top of their head anytime they play an important game when they needed to get that rebound, needed to make that shot. They just couldn't. Like, back in the past, this year... It seems like all year long, maybe 95% of these games, they've been able to do that. And in the playoffs, it almost seems like always. And it's just something you're not used to seeing, but that just shows the chemistry. It shows where they need to be on the court. Uh, they just know their assignments unless they're playing that stupid zone defense, which I just believe <laughs> never works and takes away from DA and he's, and the way he can play defense. But that's just the Suns this year, man. They're just they're on the ball at all times. And when you do hear these guys, and Saul went off this morning a little bit about Bill Simmons and how much he hated his podcast because how much they just talk about, they don't really give credit to the Suns. They they don't. 
And I feel like every time the Suns are done playing the game, we keep hearing about the opposing team and what they could have done better or how they should have won the game. But they talk about it almost in a way it's like we're playing separate games. Like the Suns played a separate game against somebody else. And Milwaukee was playing a separate game against somebody else. And like, well, if Milwaukee can do this in the next game against Phoenix and like they come, I don't know, they talk about it in such a weird way. It's like, well, didn't Milwaukee just play the Suns and didn't they just lose as a team to the Suns? The Suns were the ones that beat them, right? It just sounds like they're not talking about the same game because they don't see on the other side how the Suns can just play so well together to get everything done that is needed to win these games. No, you're right. And I think it's kind of the natural inclination uh, and it's been so long that we've been a relevant team in Phoenix that maybe we normally consume the content and don't see it through that lens. But you're right. Like whichever team is losing is the team that they're going to focus on what adjustments need, need to be made. And they don't really talk about the team that's winning. And when you look at this run for the Suns, the majority of the time they're talking about the team that's losing because the Phoenix Suns keep winning. And I, I, it's, I think it's a, it's a spot on observation you know, you'll sit there and you'll watch the highlights afterwards, and they're like, Giannis scores 42 points in a loss to Phoenix Suns in Game 2 of the NBA Finals. You know, it's never like the Suns went out and, and took care of business. It's like, well, what did the other team do wrong to where they didn't take care of business, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. They're, they're reaching for it. Well, that's the way they are. They're reaching for the story to where they want Giannis to be that Superman, to score the 40 points, the 50 points to win the game. And when he does that, then he's amazing. If he loses, it's like, how does this team help him? What do they do? But they won two games in Eastern Conference Finals to get them to the finals without Giannis. So he has the players around him. That's up for him and that team to really fix their shit because they honestly, they have the ability to do it. And you know what? If they want to keep playing that way to where they're going to just keep being Giannis, that's fine. He can put up his 50 points this game. But he has a surrounding cast that's there that can help. They just need to step up. You know, he's not surrounded by a bunch of crappy players that they kind of try to make it make it seem like. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's only Kevin O'Connor who will sit there and actually talk about and break down what makes the Phoenix Suns successful and the, their versatility and how many different guys can beat you. And if one thing isn't working, then one another thing will. And how in real time they can figure that out and navigate a game and ultimately leads to their success. Uh, but everybody else is just like, well, yeah, Drew Holiday needs to shoot more threes. And uh, Chris Middleton needs to make more baskets, and then they'll win. It's like, well, okay, then we're going to talk about what Phoenix is doing wrong. Because you're right. Like after the uh, after the Suns lost to the Clippers in Game Five, that was kind of the uh, the sentiment was like, okay, what does Phoenix need to do to beat the Clippers in Game Five? Yeah, but it's also like, oh, CC, we told you, see, Phoenix doesn't have it in them this year. That's kind yes. of the like Phoenix. They're not supposed to win this year. They they don't have it until they do do it, and then you know. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. No, you're you're spot on with that. And you know what? I hope they continue down us until they're all standing around watching so the Larry O'Brien trophy. And they're like, um, well, we can't talk about Giannis anymore. Uh, let's just talk. You know, and, and then, but and, and yeah. I I don't want to sound sound like like an asshole. But like, no matter what happens, like if the Suns win the title, like the old, the number one story is Chris Paul. As part of it, well, it should be, but like the rest of it, you have to give it to like this team that's around him, like DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I actually just got done talking with uh, Sports Map Radio, and they were asking a bunch of questions about DeAndre Ayton. I'm like, I love that. You know, like Chris Paul, yeah, everyone knows the story, okay? Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton, and let's talk about how this team probably should have been in the playoffs last year had he not been suspended for 25 games. And look at how he's developing and how he's your 
not your prototypical number one pick and just how amazing he is as a teammate and as a player and how he's the ideal guy to have on your team and, uh, you know, that is that has two amazing guards on it, you know? Yeah, and honestly, it's great to see him on the court have, like, real-life emotions where he, like, goes through, it seems like, a day's worth of emotions on the court <laughs> where he can really get yeah. down on himself and they get really happy and then can be really forceful. Like, he's just – he's up and down sometimes, and you can really see it on him. Um, he'll learn to deal with that better like Booker did, right? I mean, Booker this year, he saved Chris Paul, like, last game. I mean, he he was yes. the true last game in game two to really help Chris Paul, and Paul was just throwing the ball away for no reason. <laughs> so it's kind of flip-flop, you know? It's always well, – if one guy has a bad game, the other guy can pick him up. That's the way the Suns have been. That's, that's Phoenix Suns basketball right now, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, Matthew, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of this Spotify green room? Do you have any predictions for game three? And where are you watching the game? Oh, uh, tough questions. Actually, uh, I do think it's going to be a Suns win. Uh, I don't know how, adjustments, whatever. They'll, they'll figure out a way to, to beat the Bucks a way I would never even think of. So, <laughs> you know, it's hard <laughs> to predict with this team. Uh, but uh, I was thinking about watching my mom's house, but if something else comes up, who knows? Okay. Well, you're always invited up here. I'm just saying. Okay. It's a Sunday game, so it's pretty chill. Uh, I'm with you. I think that, you know, a lot of my personal uh, views on this game were, you know what, the Bucks are going to respond. The Bucks are going to respond, and I think they will respond. But I've watched some of the media, you know, post-practice media sessions with the Suns, and they are really dialed into, like, this is a 0-0 series. This is the most important game of the series of the season. Like if we can go and win this game, like that is massive. And I think that they're really approaching it with that level of focus. And then again, watching the replay of the game and actually in real time, watching that coaching that Monty Williams had over DeAndre Ayton is just, it just fortifies his ability to lead these men and to have them ready. And I think that they would run through a wall for him. Uh, and I think that because of that, the Phoenix Suns come out victorious tomorrow I'm going to say, let's just go with 118 again because it's a nice number for the Suns. It'll be 118 to 112, Phoenix wins over Milwaukee to take a 3-0 lead. So we'll see how that plays out, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love that. Get it over with, Suns. Yes, Yes, get it it over with. Well, (laughs) on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Suns Jam Session Podcast. If you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network, we appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. At Matthew Lissy. And uh, we'll talk to you live after the game tomorrow. Until then, uh, everyone try to stay cool if you're in the local Phoenix area because it is hot as shit outside. It is. Go home, love your family. All right. Take care, everybody.